excited because the Space Shuttle Endeavor here in Los Angeles, after years of discussing it, is finally going to move into the vertical position. Yeah. Uh, didn't you see this? Yeah, it took two blue pills. <laughs> Okay. Stood it right up. What? Good for it. Quiet, please. But here's the thing: if it's in that position yeah. for more than four hours, you got to contact the vehicle engineer. In four, three, <laughs> call your, call two. Your, call your engineer. The Apple Company presents a truly terrible podcast. Welcome to Nonsense Season Two, Episode Three. I'm Jeff Parker. When did you become Ed McMahon? <laughs> was santa claus is what that was well i'm still this is our take on the week's business tech and entertainment headlines this time we'll look at typos i mean typos wow we are we are just on a steady decline into the most boring programming possible it's national gourmet coffee day hooray coffee's past is shrouded with legend and theory but one thing is certain it's been around for centuries it's believed that ancestors of today's oromo people in ethiopia's Jimma region were the first to notice the coffee plant's energizing power have you noticed any that i've had uh yeah maybe we should settle down actually i'm don't drink coffee, but that's kind of funny idea. You drink tea, yeah. which arguably has more caffeine in it than coffee. So, you know, you're getting similar effects. This is decaf. This is not even, there's no caff at all in this. Well, you're drinking decaf today. Yeah. That's why you're always low energy on this show. And I'm always the one. Is that it? I'm always the one dragging us forward. That would explain it. Here's my thing. Okay. So this is always fascinates me. People, whatever, a thousand years ago, figured out that this berry on this plant. Yeah. They could roast. They'd just get wired. Crush and put water in it, whatever, and get wired. Like, somebody to figure that out. It's now, a lot of steps. You think somebody just pulled the totally. bean first and, and just chewed on it and ate it and went, ooh, this is awful. But a couple of things, though. One, think about how many people had to die eating the things that were poisonous to get to this, right? First of all, there's, oh, a, whole, of course, of course. there's a whole bunch of, you know, survivor bias stories that aren't being told because, like, whatever, Jim ate the, the other blue plant. And, and isn't alive to and tell his Alive. And they're like, well, don't sure. eat that anymore. Write that down on the fucking cave wall. <laughs> Let's not eat that. But the thing that's even more interesting is somewhere at, at some point in time, someone said, hey, I noticed that that cat ate that berry and then shit it out. Let's go make tea out of that. Let's cook that up. Right. <laughs> if you really want to be gourmet coffee, if you're not doing the what's it, it's called, the cowpea luwak, cowpea luwak, I think is what it's called. It's not popular. It's not something that can be made in mass. It's really made in a brown mass. <laughs> Hello. Oh, oh, uh, oh, oh. I've never I've never tried it, but I want I, I kind of want to. And I'm surprised they haven't made this like the the centurion version of of the venti at Starbucks where you walk in. You're like, well, you can have the seven dollar venti or you can have the 70 dollar venti that a cat exactly. you know, three hundred dollar venti. Like, I just feel like I need to get like a traveling band of cats, just stray cats that eat coffee beans and shit them out. That's my startup plan. I'm going to I'm going to go pitch NEA and Sequoia for money. How's your week going? Pretty good now that I'm caffeinated. Yeah, because as you know, for National Coffee Day, I've ingested at least four shots of caffeine just for this show fantastic in the week so far it's it's well i mean we're not done yet i've got a camping trip this weekend so i get through that oh my gosh that sounds fun it should be a blast i'm taking the kids to a place that i like quite a bit that's out in the desert it's a lot of sand it's a lot of slot canyons that are really cool and i've i've spent most of my week preparing for this trip including uh dismantling most of my truck to put it back together again with new parts yeah it's very exciting that's been it that's cool that's really cool how about you my new phone came which is uh, i know i said it was coming last week and they were yeah. too, it was delayed oh yeah but, you got the iphone right the I, I am, 15 pro with yeah you like I got it the uh, pixel pro 8 oh. which is i'm blown away by how much cool ai is in this thing although i've, I've yet to try all of it because there's so much it's
it's really cool. Phones were going to be little AI devices shortly. Once you play with this thing, you, you go, we're not going back. Sure, this totally. Is exactly 100%. Where we're heading. Should we get to our headlines? We should. FAA widens Boeing probe and eyes subcontractor used by aerospace giant. The Federal Aviation Administration widened its probe into Boeing. will pay special attention to the work of a subcontractor used by the aerospace giant. Federal investigators want to know more about Spirit Aerosystems, a Wichita, Kansas aerospace company that makes and installs plugged doors for Boeing 737 MAX 9 airplanes. Spirit Aerosystems said it's cooperating with investigators. What do you think of that? I think I get a little concerned anytime somebody says they want to, quote, widen their probe. I'm always sure. mildly concerned. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute, you're my dentist. Why do you want to widen the probe? And then I but just... But also, do you think they? this is all they do is make these plug doors or, and install these no. plug doors? Or do they have five other specialties no, first or of things all, that they if, do? If Spirit Aerosystems just made plug doors, I think it would do what it said on the tin. It would be like Spirit Plug Door Systems. I don't think right, they say Spirit Aerosystems. Yeah, the question is, what other parts are you not tightening? Does the name Spirit alarm you at all? Uh, yes. Because we've all heard about Spirit Yes. Uh, previously, this company was known as the Holy Spirit Aerosystems. They dropped the Holy. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. The the Divine <laughs> Trinity of Aircraft. No, I'm 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 mildly concerned uh, that they could uh, maybe, I don't know, tighten the bolts or put better bolts in, not run down to fucking Home Depot when you run out. Especially since there are only there four are, of them. Go ahead and tighten all four of them. There are only them. four. Yeah. We're not talking about an N plus one situation. We're talking about N, just fucking yeah. N. The sudden shortage of aircraft is leading between 110 and 150 flight cancellations per day. And of course, we had 2,400 domestic flights canceled yesterday because of the weather. I, so 150 is pretty much around here. Well, no, no, hold on. I don't know how, if you've got the Max 9 fleet grounded that have plugs, I don't know how yeah. that's only 150-ish flights a day. That should be a lot more, I would think. You would think. And just in the U.S., that's 200 planes or something. No, yeah. it's got to be less than that. I mean, you figure if there's 150 flights canceled, one aircraft is doing more than one flight. So you got to think. Of that course, of course. It just does not make sense to me. But I think there were 200 sold in the U.S. So obviously there are some who are redundant oh, or not in saying. service yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. They just give you a, a Greyhound ticket. Sorry, your flight's canceled. Here you go. Good luck. It's just the worst, especially when it's just freezing cold weather and you're miserable to be outside sure. anyway. And you get to the airport and your flight's not going. And oh, yeah. awful. Southwest. Google search Chrome and Android are all changing thanks to EU antitrust law. Yeah. On Android, Google is introducing a new browser choice screen during the initial setup similar to what it already offers to let users pick between different search engines. Okay. The search engine choice screen's roots lie in a 4.3 billion euro fine from the EU over Android antitrust violations in 2018. So I've seen the mockups of this. When you when you start yep. the browser, it says, what do you want to use as a search engine? And then it, it defaults to Google, but then you can select below it AltaVista. <laughs> You can. Yeah. That's nice. And if you want AltaVista, there's Lycos. I'm, is I'm, AltaVista still up and running? Is there still, an, if you go to AltaVista, is there still AltaVista something there? AltaVista.net? Is it still there? Yeah. I don't know. That's I have no idea. AltaVista. Dot net. Oh my God. Altavista.net lands you at search.yahoo.com. Oh, that's funny. Yahoo bought it? I'm guessing. I don't think they're squatting on it. <laughs> AltaVista, for those who don't know, was like the big search engine before Yahoo, before Google. I was purchased by Yahoo in 2003, which retained the brand. Outside of Android, Google's Chrome browser is also getting a similar choice screen for search engines to prompt users to choose an alternative to Google search if they desire. Yeah. Both will appear on devices purchased in the European economic area after March 6th. In a similar, in similar, uh, um, sort of design, I believe you can also pick the browser on your Android phone and you can choose from Google Chrome or uh, Internet Explorer 7. Those are your options. <laughs> you can actually choose Firefox or Opera. There's a ton of them you can choose from. I mean, Unlike Apple, which claims that the browser is part of the operating system and therefore you can only have one. Like, and even though there's a Chrome browser, it still is using that stupid WebKit. Uh, rendering engine that WebKit. It's still using that stupid old, old WebKit that barely works. Do you think works. like there was just somebody like, uh, something like an intern sitting in the legal department at Apple flipping through like some history 
docs and was like, hey, look at this. Microsoft just said it was part of the OS. We should use that as a defense. I guess. It makes makes zero sense. I get why they want to do it, because they want to really limit what you can do in the browser. It seems fine. I, I totally understand sure. that. They don't want you to have you know PWAs and web apps, what they used to call instant apps, uh, working on uh, uh, on the iOS so that they can collect all the payments they want to collect. Of course. Well, they, I get it. But at the same time, it is strange that it's on Android. You can install all sorts of browsers, and you get on the Apple, sure. you are stuck with one. Do you want their headquarters to be based in a spherical building or not? They need all the money to build the spherical building. Not just round. They started with a ring. No, no, it's a disc now. The sure. next one's a sphere. Oh, wow. Cool. They all went and saw the U2 and they're like, we're going to build a giant sphere. That it's not just the, it's not like, it's not like the shitty one in Vegas where it's just half of a sphere. This is an actual full sphere. Wow. Yeah. Dead cars surround chargers as Teslas struggle around frozen weather. A deep freeze has gripped Chicago with temperatures plunging to an Arctic minus 32 degrees Fahrenheit over the weekend. As a result, Tesla owners are becoming deeply frustrated with their vehicles not being able to charge or hold a charge even after a trip to the supercharger. Tell me why you can't, uh, what what is happening with these cars? Something, something, Musk is an idiot, something, something, I think, is that how it works? I think it's probably just because of what the batteries are. Yeah, they will exactly not right. work and when it gets too cold, right? Well, okay, first of all, you have challenges with all things at extreme temperatures, right? Especially in the cold. Okay. Diesel fuel likes to gel, you know, sub 15 degrees Fahrenheit. Which is why you have engine block heaters all throughout the Midwest. You have to plug in your so car. You'll have, well, yeah, you'll have heaters. People put heating blankets on their on their actual um, fuel tanks to keep them warm. Yeah. You have oil that gets very, very thick for internal combustion motors, especially with diesels. They'll have block heaters on them. Fortunately, non-EVs have lead-acid batteries. Those things do much better in the cold. You've got to get them much colder to freeze. Sure, sure. These lithium-ion batteries though they perform terribly when they get super cold so i don't i don't own an ev i don't own a tesla my understanding is how this works is they have a preheating mode so if you're going into a supercharger especially if you tell the car you're going to a supercharger it'll precondition the batteries and get them up to temperature so that it can accept the charge and what i think is happening here is if these batteries are low and they can't keep them warm they go they go completely they're flat. draining themselves heating yeah. themselves so they can't yeah. so then you can't get juice into the battery which is why you need to keep the tesla plugged in like you would have a block heater plugged yep. in you need yep. to keep your tesla plugged especially in, in the while cold. it's sitting there not I think that's used. the case. But then, so then you've got your battery that's, you know, whatever low, you take it to plug it in and it can't get juice in. It's got to use the power from the charger to warm the battery before you can get it in. And that takes a good amount of time. Those batteries aren't light. You know, those things are, that's a lot of batteries. Assume they're, you know, somewhere around, I get, I'm thinking a thousand to 1500 pounds, you know, maybe even, maybe even more. That's a lot of weight. And you got to warm that thing up. Especially when it's pretty much an ice block. <laughs> it's a giant ice block. Cause they're cold. So I think that's the bigger problem. I'm happy to beat up on, on Tesla, but I think in this particular case, and by the way, that it's then it's an issue of now you've drained your battery down to yeah. zero. You've probably done damage to your battery. You you need to keep your Tesla plugged in when you're in cold, cold weather. I must say the lighter side of this, and again, I'm no no Tesla um, fanboy or apologist, but they seem to do some pretty cool stuff where if, like, if you're going, if you tell the car you're going to a supercharger, it will precondition the battery so that when you arrive, it, On is, the way. it is yeah. ready to go. That's super cool, right? Yeah. Do those things in parallel. Don't get there and have it be like, now we're going to start the preconditioning cycle. I want to make sure I'm clear. I'm not bashing on Tesla either. These problems are going to exist in all electric vehicles. Sure. This yeah. is not just going to be a Tesla issue. Yeah. And they, they probably have the best solution because they have the best charging infrastructure. Their charging infrastructure is excellent. But it seems like uh, you want to keep your car tethered or plugged in if you can. If, if you can't, keep it topped up. That seems to be the answer. Now, I'm thinking about, I used to do this 15, 20 years ago. As you know, I race cars as a hobby and there's a specific model yeah. car that I that I drive. I used to make sure I always had like a thousand bucks cash on me. And if I ever saw one of the models that we raced, I would offer them usually 500 bucks cash to buy it on the spot for parts. Okay. I kind of want to do the same thing now around these charging stations. Just sit there with like some hand warmer 
warmers and a thousand bucks and just buy dead Teslas for a thousand bucks and a hand warmer. Elon threatens to build products outside of Tesla unless he gets more control of the company. Elon Musk has threatened to abandon some of Tesla's most important work on Monday in an ongoing battle over how much he gets paid. The billionaire tweeted that he's uncomfortable working on AI and robotics projects at the company unless he gains more control of its stock. Musk, who owns about a 13% share in the company, threatened to build products outside of Tesla if his ownership doesn't grow to 25%. Well, there's a way to do that. You just yeah. write a check. Yeah, totally. First of all, this is this. I, I, I on its surface, I kind of get it. It's like, well, hey, this is how much ownership I have. I have this novel idea. I want to do this somewhere where I get more compensation for okay, it. Okay, then I, stop I, I being it. the CEO. Retire from Tesla and go build your idea. Sure. The other thing that is fascinating is he's like, well, I had some ownership here. I used it as leverage and I used it as cash to buy this other fucking train wreck over here. Sure. I just want more now. Right. <laughs> just give me more. I'm holding you hostage for, for more does, shares. Who does this? Now- I, and if the board says yes, although it's a big yes board, they always say yes to him. And it's like always relative. Of course, of course. If you structure this such as a, like a, hey, if you want to build these things, we think these things are going to add this much value to the business and you get some ownership in that. Okay, I could maybe wrap my brain around that if it's additive to their business model. I don't know how you get from 13 to 25%. Right, it's a big jump. You're adding a lot. I mean, your market cap on this thing is already a beast. So how are you going to add that much value to the business? Okay, enough with the headlines. Up next, CJ is going to talk about fat-fingered mistakes. And I'm going to use my fat finger to mash the button. I was thinking it would be fun if we talked about fat fingers. Now, not sticky fingers. You're not talking about stealing things. No, that'll be next week, though. I like that. That'll be a good theme right there. You're talking about typos. Yes, not sausage fingers. That's something totally different. Okay. But just typos. Yes, things, kind of uh, mistakes we make uh, when it comes to the human-computer interface. Oh, specifically computer. Well. Because there's tons of famous typographical, like, I mean, have you ever heard, you know what a Wicked Bible is? A Wicked Bible? Wicked. Oh, no, I don't know what a Wicked Bible is, but I want one now. It's called the Sinner's Bible. There's only like 10 in circulation, and it was a Bible. Bible that was printed in 1631. Yeah. And it has a typo in it. Okay. It says, Thou shalt commit adultery. <laughs> uh, one of the early Gutenberg mistakes. Is that what this is? That's a little later in Gutenberg, but the publisher hauled into court and fined, uh, you know, 300 pounds for the oversight, and they lost their printing license. Is that true? Most of the copies were found and burned, but there are 10 still in circulation. I bet you those are cheap. What did the last one trade for? I'm sure that I'm sure there are fortune. My, there's only 10 of them. <laughs> there's 10. That's great. You ever read uh, Theodore Dreisler's An American Tragedy? No, I don't read. He has a line in it that says it's and it's a it's a, obviously a typographical error harmoniously abandoning yep. themselves to the rhythm of the music like two small chips being tossed about on a rough but friendly sea. Two, sma- two, 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 two small chips instead of ships. But it maybe I, would, you know, I always picture it that he's talking about a sea of guacamole and it's two small chips maybe being dashed about the ch- on a guacamole sea. If you've ever seen the Lincoln Memorial, yeah, it has a typo. It does? Yes. They didn't chisel it out? We can't chisel it out. The problem was, it was it's the word future. Okay. And it says, with high hope for the future. Only they didn't use an F for the future. They used says, an E. Oh, Oh, interesting. So they filled it in okay. as best they could, but, but you, you can, can still, still see, see the fill in. Oh, that's funny. I was looking more at ones that had severe monetary consequence. Okay. All right. Those are the ones that I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just saying those are the ones that I thought were kind of interesting. Now I had to weed through a whole bunch that were not interesting to find a couple that, that I thought were. Okay. The, the first of these are in, these are in order of what I think is interesting. So good luck ranking that. The first of these, and, I, and by the way, I did not know any of these beforehand. These were all new to me. So if you remember okay. these, I'll be, um, I'll be um, impressed. The first of these came on a, on a trade 
trading debut of JCOM Co., which was a job recruiting firm that listed in December of 2005 on the Tokyo Exchange. Oh, not that long ago. Not, well, 20 years ago, but still. J-COM Co. is a, uh, just gives it away as an early 2000s Dot technology com. company, sure. right? Yeah. Sure. So anyway, so it was listed with the help of the Mizuho Security Company, uh, which is a brokerage arm of the Mizuho Financial Group. Mizuho Securities mistakenly placed an order to sell 610,000 shares uh, for one yen each. That was the order that they, they placed. What should they have gotten? They for? meant to sell one share for 610,000 yen. Oh my word. Yeah. Which, which, which for comparison is about five grand at the time, right? 5,000 US dollars. So, so were there other shares that hadn't been sold to the market previous to this? So they, I believe it had just floated, right? So this thing's okay. just just coming to market. At the time, it's trading for around $5,000 US. Yeah. They mistakenly put this out in the, obviously the reverse order, right? 610,000 shares for, for one yen each. Yeah. Now, this was 42 times more the number of shares JCOM had outstanding. So it was, oh, an, my word. Yeah, it was an order that was too big. And it, of course, as you would expect, it sent the shares of this this tiny company plummeting yeah. because they just put out this this giant sell order at a buck or sorry less than a dollar well sure you're holding you're holding the price one down penny. to one yen yeah yeah this error so you know the original error was that they just keyed it in wrong it was exacerbated by software glitches that prevented mizuho securities from canceling the transaction when it discovered the mistake oh my gosh a minute and a half after it was made so they caught it a minute and a half after but then sure. they couldn't cancel how many shares have they sold in a minute and a half you'd think they'd sell a ton so after frantically trying to cancel the the order for about half an hour the brokerage firm was forced to buy back many of the shares at higher prices than it sold them for at five thousand bucks that they sold for a penny for one cent yeah yeah uh they lost somewhere around 250 million dollars on this trade oh right my gosh. now at the time they were confident that and this is a quote from them given our strong financial standings we don't think we will have a problem absorbing the loss okay they just took a quarter of a billion dollar loss and didn't have a problem absorbing it that's it a, didn't blink that's a pretty expensive typo they did um the trading company did raise questions about the health of the computerized order processing system at the tokyo exchange because the system accepted their order even though it was clearly erroneous mm-hmm. now that i find really interesting like it is not in my opinion, it's not the exchange's job to figure out it's if you meant to exactly, place the order or not. It's not the exchange's job. You to, put the order in, that. their job is to is to push the order through, right. right? That is their job. Although normally they will look at the bid and the ask and they will take, warn you. take the spread. They'll basically sure. be a, an, or, an order specialist where they get the spread. You would think somebody would be like, hey, are you sure you want to do this? And then you say yes no, no, or no. no. They would think, oh, no, no, I'll let you do it. I'm yeah, going to totally. take the I'm difference gonna, between yeah, what this is selling take, for I'll, and what you're selling yeah, it for. Yeah, I'll eat, I'll eat them all up. So ultimately, Mizuho Securities brought a case for its damages against the Tokyo Stock Exchange because they couldn't cancel the order due to a fault in the stock exchange's computer system. The president of the Tokyo Stock Exchange resigned in 2005, and ultimately, um, uh, Mizuho was awarded approximately $10 billion uh, yen as damages, which is about a hundred million bucks. Yeah. So, so they the, got they got a, a less than half of that back. Yeah. But I mean, lost. I would yeah. I would suspect that you know I would expect the stock exchange to be culpable here because you couldn't cancel the order. You should be able to cancel the order if it's on the exchange, right? That to me seems sure, like sure. something that's reasonable. But here's what I find really interesting about this. And I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. Of course, I asked the, this this whole thing. You know, you see the typo, you see the mess, you see how it how it unraveled. But the question that I ask is, why was this firm that that was helping launch JCOM only selling one security at a time? I couldn't find any mention of this. I'm assuming this is just their quote business as usual, where they're looking to set the price and drive the price up 
for all the rubes. Like, why would you sell one share that you have at a price if you're the well, exchange? Well, a $5,000 share, I might float shares out very slowly just to see if I have takers at that level. I mean, to set the price. You probably don't You probably don't yet have a market maker who's buying up those shares at the if they think the price is high or low. I, I, yeah, I mean, uh, to me, it's, it's kind of a specialty thing when you're floating things for the first in the, time. Canary in the coal mine, right? Seeing yeah, if it'll yeah. sell or not, or yeah. setting the price. I'm, my hunch is it's the latter. I just look at that. There's no active bid and ask, so sure. I can't know is this going to move or not well where, where exactly at what there at what clearly point was some active bid and ask because when they put the yeah when they put the ask out at one yen there were plenty of bidders so sure there was some activity but you just don't, not you at don't that price. really know that in advance you don't know if somebody's going to buy your five thousand dollars share at five thousand dollars or if they're sure. going to buy it at four thousand or if they're going to happily buy it well, at seven thousand turns out they'll happily buy it at one cent just so you know <laughs> Tur- put, turns out ahead, turns go ahead out and mark that down now my software i use to buy and sell shares now it's commercial and it's yeah. completely debugged and worked out and you know has you place the order and there's lots of warnings before you actually place totally. the order yeah. it double checks with you are you sure you want to do this 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 and and so you're 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 getting a lot yeah. of uh, a lot of are you sure? Yeah, I'm, well, I mean, look, we have the benefit of 20 years since this happened, first of all. Yeah. I, I think there's also a... Also, when you're floating shares, I can't imagine it's really worked out commercial. Now it probably is software. Probably, probably but better, but still... In those days, it was a little rougher than... Caveat and poor, man. Like, you're supposed to know what yeah. the hell you're doing if you're sitting behind the desk, you know? So, but like, I've, I've seen trading places, right? If you put the order out for the orange juice, <laughs> you don't get the... To- you don't get to send it back or whatever the fuck happened in the end. I don't remember. I just remember sure. a very smug Ackroyd and Murphy. They go bankrupt. And, and that scene. Yeah. So, okay. So staying with this APAC theme. That's this, great. This next, well, this next one I think is, is, is kind of even better. This is Samsung Securities. Okay. They are the stock trading arm of the Samsung conglomerates and they're engaged in financial services and securities, investment banking across primarily Korea, China, the US, the UK, uh-huh. Japan, and Hong Kong. It's one of South Korea's largest brokerages. So this is not everything Samsung small. does. They yep. just seem to dominate. This is a little more recent. This is April of 2018. Okay. An employee of Samsung Securities was tasked with distributing 1,000 won, approximately 93 US cents per okay. share in dividends under a company compensation plan. But instead, they gave each employee 1,000 company shares. Whoops. This is a whoopsie. <laughs> so it went from 1,000 won, approximately one US dollar, sure. to 1,000 shares. Now, this had a value on paper of about 113 trillion won. So this is over a hundred billion dollars, which was more than 30 times the company's market value. Sure. So a big whoopsie. Now the company noticed the error 37 minutes later. However, while the shares were issued and before the company noticed, a handful of employees sold the shares that the company gave right. them. Right. Sure. Of course. Of course they despite did. Despite receiving warnings from the company not to. Now my hunch is the warnings what got them triggered to go sell it. Because how would you just know in 37 minutes that you got issued? I guess maybe you get a notice from your account. Right. You just got a thousand shares. Well, 2018, you might see it in real time. So the employees who sold their shares could have received around 9 million bucks US each. That was sort of like wow. the amount had they sold them. Now, a South Korean financial watchdog later found that 21 employees traded or attempted to sell their shares to profit from the air, and they were promptly reported to prosecutors. During the legal proceedings, the defending employees claimed that they had no deliberate intention to inflict damages upon the company, and that they were only trying to test whether the deposit was indeed due to a system error, right? That was their okay. their argument. Sure, sure, sure. Some even argued that selling could not have had an actual impact on the company as the sales were of, quote, non-existent ghost stocks. What does is, that mean? I don't know well, what they mean by that. Well, I'm going to talk about that here in, in, in a second. I just think it's interesting that that was one of their defenses, and you'll see why in a second. Okay. The judge ended up ruling that these orders, which took place repeatedly and on a large scale, were more than just, quote, test attempts and thus reflected a genuine attempt to dispose of the shares. Sure, of course. The, uh, the sole court handed out suspended terms on three Samsung 
Samsung security employees slapped five others with fines for selling ghost stocks that had been mistakenly issued in the fat finger error. It's not really a fat finger error. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, you put in. I got to just there. do that with now. You did that with your finger. You knew you were selling. the. Oh, wrong. oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. No, 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 no. The guys who issued who ultimately issued the, the dividend. That's where the fat finger error was. Yeah. The fat finger error was in, in those who issued the dividend, right? The people who sold them. Yeah, not definitely not a fat finger error, but they limited. I love this. They limited the liabilities of the the um, the employees to 50 percent of the total loss, which I thought was interesting that they limited it to 50 percent. OK, so they've had any of it. Don't know. Maybe. Who knows? But this isn't what's interesting to me about this case. What's interesting is that when Samsung Securities provided the shares, it used a process of naked short selling, which is illegal in Korea. And the computer infrastructure was not supposed to allow it. So this allowed Samsung the ability to issue unauthorized stocks and misappropriate them. Oh, and sure, there's, sure. There's been nothing. That's why those were ghost stocks, right? They literally didn't exist because it was more than- I got you now. Company got was you worth, now. right? More, they just, right, of course. They just put these arbitrarily made up stocks into everybody's accounts that didn't exist, which was just fascinating to me. I, I did dig around a little bit to try to find something about this. I could find no mention of any uh, repercussions or any changes that happened. Maybe it did and they just didn't publicize it. Or I couldn't find it. But this one seems kind of crazy to me. Also, that it was a $100 billion swing. Wow. Like, obviously, it wasn't all executed, but... Like, holy shit, that's a bad day for the dude who, instead of selecting wands, selected shares in the drop down, which is what I'm assuming <laughs> happened, right? You got a thousand shares instead of a thousand wands. They just selected the wrong thing and hit go. And, and that or, was bad. Or he was doing it intentionally because, who, I mean, you know, who knows in this case? I did wonder about that, but man, it seems a little big for it to be intentional. Again, the sure. software doesn't give you a thousand warnings. I mean, maybe it did. Are you they, sure I, you want to issue a thousand shares? Maybe per the word wand and share are very similar in Korean. I have no idea. Yeah, right, right. It, you, you would, and, and also you would think there'd be some chain of custody. What I have learned about behind the scenes and my time in, in finance and other places, usually behind the scenes is just a dude with a big red button. Like, oh, it's, of course, of course. At some point, it's all the controls not, go away. It's not worked out. Right. There are not, there's not, it's not like in the movies where there's two dudes that have keys that have to turn up at the same time and push the button to execute the order. It's just right. one dude that hits okay on some shitty MFC app that was written in 1998 and that's it. Like, and this oh, is an aside. worse was written the night before. I mean, do you remember the Mount Gox exposure? This is a total digression. Yeah, sure. When sure. when Mount Gox went sideways, their entire management app was all like local and just issued like SQL statements sure. directly to the DB. I mean, it was terrible. Sure. I mean, it was crazy how terrible it was, but that's a digression. You want to make your 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 dashboard, your management apps as good as your your customer facing apps. Maybe not as polished looking, who cares? Oh, yeah, maybe but better. You, you definitely want you definitely want maybe to have as better. many confirmations. Yeah. Yeah, when it is um, you know, send all money in brokerage to Qaddafi, you might want to send more money than we're worth to <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. By a factor of 30, not just more by like a dollar, more than a factor of 30. Those were fun to me. Yeah, sure. But they weren't the one. This is the one. This is the one that got me to want to do this segment. Uh, okay, now let's do these were both um, APAC stories, right? We had we had uh, Japan and Korea. Now let's see how we do it in the in the great old US of A. Okay. And a little a little lead in for this. At least twice in 2023, so last year, the USPS slow paid thousands of their letter carriers across the country. Tell me what that means, slow paid. They didn't pay their fucking salaries on time. So why would you ever do that? Not pay them on time? Yeah. Well, they made they had fuck ups. They had fuck ups in their system. So this is this affected like two point two. Wow! Don't do that. Your employees right? need their money. Do not 2. do 2. that. Two point two thousand people in November and fifty three thousand carriers in September. Oh my word! Right now, last month in December, uh, Minnesota U.S. Senator Tina Smith said, "Quote: It's concerning because when postal leaders responded to our first questions about people not getting paid, they said it's something that they had fixed and it would never happen again. And then, lo and behold, barely a month later, we have the same problem again with fewer people, but with similar challenges. Wow! Now in September of of twenty twenty three, a rural carrier in uh, Georgia." 
Georgia said that it was the eighth time he experienced pay issues and that six of uh. them resulted from his manager inputting his hours incorrectly. Oh, okay. Not just not getting paid, but also like, you know, checks and balances or just, just problems sure, sure. Um, along the line. That month, the USPS offered impacted carriers a money order salary advance worth 65% of their gross pay. They use that as a rough estimate of their typical take-home pay. So presumably okay. it was easier for the USPS to issue in advance than to correct the underlying issue, which is nuts to me. It's also nuts they were only giving them giving them 65% of their gross pay. Give them their full Well, money. they're saying post-tax. They're basically saying this is what you would have got post-tax as a, as a loan, and then you pay it back. You can I, always give it to them as a loan and figure it out I'm, later. I'm, well, yeah. Yeah, just keep keep rolling that technical debt ball as big as you can. Just the, the financial problem later. No, no, no. I don't just, know. Just give they're it back postal later. carriers. It's not, it's not like they're swimming in spare money. They well, probably need their money month to month. They probably oh, of need, course. really of need course. their money. Well, so now listen to this. This is this is the one. This is the one that got me interested. I ran across this story from uh, Jeff White. He's uh, was a one-time senior manager of database operations and is now the enterprise architecture manager for Cockroach Labs. And he tells Cockroach what Labs. Tell me what that is. Yeah, it's not the best. It's not the best name. There was actually a whole thread of people that just said the name gives them this a visceral reaction to uh, uh, to the process. These are the guys that built uh, or build and maintain Cockroach DB, which is a cloud native oh, SQL oh, database, okay, right? Okay, okay, sure, It's sure. an interesting product. Uh, the name doesn't yeah. doesn't turn me off. I also think it's just a terrible well, name. Well, I wonder why they called it that. I wonder why I, they named I, it that. I th- don't quote me on this. I should probably look this up, but I think it's because like it won't die. I think that's the whole premise. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. Right, cockroaches don't die. This is a database that won't die. We'll name it not cockroach slabs. I gotta believe there was nobody from the marketing department involved and they came up with a name. I think that was just sure. a bunch of nerds sitting around going for the cute joke. So Jeff talks about what happened 20 years ago as this sort of amazing tale of how a series of small but unfortunate events can quickly add up to a very expensive problem. Okay. And so this is like uh, 2004-ish. And I think you're going to love this. So apparently, the USPS runs one of the largest and most complex payroll systems in the world. Jeff said it's so complicated that no outside company will take it on, not for any amount of money. They tried to outsource it many times, and everyone takes one look and says, hell no, no way we're touching that. At the time, the uh, the USPS, by the way, United States Postal Service, yeah. their payroll was over $1 billion every two weeks. Sure, sure. So a lot of money. And half of the payroll was live checks, which okay. is insane to me. So the data center actually printed checks and they would go out by the semi-truck load. This is like the set of the problem. But I don't think that's, I mean, it's not understandable. I would think postal carriers, there would be a lot of them. They aren't necessarily going to be high-tech people. I think they would sure. have live checks. I think that would be a common thing. I, I would expect by, I mean, this was 2004, yeah. but I would have thought even then you would have had at least half or two-thirds of the people on, on EFT. But I yeah, I don't know. That's, that's beyond me. Okay, so a new union contract comes in and the operators needed to adjust payroll. Normally this would be a simple... They call JCL job, right? A job control language job, which is the Mm -hmm. scripting language used on IBM mainframes to instruct the system on how to run a batch job. However, while making the update, the JCL operator accidentally keyed in the wrong year. Again. (laughs) Really? Right? Yeah. And we were about Y2K. Really, it turns out the problem is here. Now, normally, Jeff says, this would not be a big deal. Each new pay period started Friday at midnight. The day before a pay period would run, the mainframe would do a pre-flight calculation on any issues it saw. Uh-huh. And it would generate a report that would go to finance. Every Friday morning, the finance would go over things and approve the batch to run. But then something unexpected happened. Ronald Reagan died. He was the one who checked the batches? It all went to Ronald Reagan. <laughs> That's right. Re- I did yeah, not expect that. Right? That he was he was literally the single point of failure for the USPS. Talk about a hands-on manager. And he and he just went through. He just couldn't let it go. He was a micromanager sure. to the end. No and this idea. was, I mean, it, it only trickled down so far. It trickled down to Ronald and then it stopped. Okay. So anyway, so he's dead. They don't know what to do. No, here's what happens. Issue the checks. That's what you do. Your people so, still need to get paid. Oh, well, okay. Hold on a second now. Slow down, cowboy. 
Now, when a former president dies, federal employees get a holiday. Right. And this is uh, according to the Office of Personnel Management. Beginning with the death of uh, President Kennedy in 1963, the incumbent president has issued an executive order closing government offices throughout the world as a, quote, mark of respect upon the death of each president or former president. And that happens now, immediately. That doesn't ha- there's no we don't well, schedule a day. This, it's like, you know, drop your things. We're all going home right now. If only I would have thought of these questions when writing this segment. Okay, sorry. Now, Ronald Reagan died on a Tuesday. <laughs> there was a lot of indecision inside the federal government as to when they would set the federal holiday for his death. And they didn't decide. So they do set it. Yeah. And they didn't decide until Thursday, late in the day, that on Friday, they were going to give all federal employees the day off. Uh-huh. So he dies on Tuesday. They decide on Thursday. Hey, you know what? Tomorrow, long weekend. So, no, all so none of you can really plan anything special to do with your time no. off. Excellent. No. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, it's a death. You know, what do you want? As a result, no one was scheduled to go into the finance department to go look at these reports that were kicked out on, uh, you know, every Friday morning. Mm-hmm. So what happens? Well, the mainframe doesn't get the day off, right? It doesn't get the holiday. Right. So it dutifully runs the report. Now, normally the report printout was around 30 to 40 pages of issues. The pre-flight report with these new payroll changes, though, was about five thousand pages two orders of magnitude larger than usual now it printed out on a thursday night so apparently fuck you trees sure five thousand pages came out and as usual the print operator dropped it off because you know like the it's just a print job to them they don't know what it is right they don't look at it yeah so the print operator just brought to the accounting department dropped it off to review on friday morning but the government offices are closed so no one looks at it by the way somebody works in that department who normally looks at that report who normally looks at that that pre-flight check yes and knew they were taking friday off and didn't bother to go Oh, but but this report's going to show up. I think somebody I ought to cover this. I feel like maybe you're you're prevented from going in because it's a federal holiday. I don't know. Who okay, knows? Well, I mean, if that if that happens, and I'm the guy who's going to get who normally gets the report, I'm going to squawk maybe, up and down to everybody saying we're going to have a problem. Maybe they were so distraught with the loss of President Reagan, he hadn't been president in years. He was old. Well, he, I mean, it wasn't like Star he died Wars, on a something. <laughs> yes, it I've was given his. you a trickle down reference in Star Wars. What more do you want? I was fucking six. Okay, I don't remember a lot. You were in college. <laughs> But he didn't Give die when love. you were six. He died like, you know, a handful of whatever it was, 15 years ago. 2004. Mm-hmm. I was three. Sure, sure you were. Anywho. So no one's there to read the report. Yes. You you and I can dig into with the OPM on why nobody was there. Yeah. And we can make that our our, our thing. See, uh, oh, I could so, see the screw up for like Kennedy. Kennedy Kennedy died in office. Reagan, sure. we had at least 10 well, years or more of warning while he had Alzheimer's died. and all sorts of issues sure. and all the rest of it. Kennedy died in a car. Well, that's true. But he died while while holding the office of president of the United States. It's just it's hard to do jokes around president assassination okay they don't they don't fly it's really hard i'm sure somebody can do them it's just not me yes no i understand there are differences i get it yeah. i'm just saying they get the day off they happen to be on a friday some five thousand page report kicks out which by the way just for perspective that's 10 reams of paper yeah oh sure so sure the printing department which by the way blows my fucking mind there's a printing department the printing department delivers 10 reams of a report to someone's desk and there's no one there to see it right so sure that's just crazy and the me. guy who delivers it has to know this is this is an abnormality he, well no but i don't think they know who knows but how he, many do, he normally he delivers you know a, a, a um, half a ream of paper or whatever he normally delivers sure. and now he's delivering 10 reams of paper it was it was the summertime maybe somebody ordered a bunch of like uh invites for their kid's birthday i don't fucking know i don't I'm, i wasn't there but the point is that the report is generated on thursday printed delivered friday morning government offices are closed there's no one there to look at it uh-huh. eventually midnight rolls around and the mainframe kicks off and starts executing all eft deposits and printing paychecks once the job wraps up hundred and fifty thousand employees have been over paid to the tune of 500 million dollars wait why were they overpaid the, whatever, whatever the the year miss king it's a normal payroll with the wrong date on it the year miss king 
because it was this new contract, they miskeyed the year it calculated the payments wrong. So it inflated it by 50%. I don't know why. I haven't mm. been able to find out why. But the point is the payroll was going out. It went out with a larger number. Okay. So they just inflated payroll by roughly 50%. The first problem is that the USPS didn't have an extra $500 million hanging out on in hand. Bank sure, account, of course. Right? So they've just made what Jeff calls the mother of all overdrafts. Yeah. Which sounds bad. The executive in charge of accounting comes into the office on Saturday morning for some reason. He sees the printout. He knows that what the report is, right? And he sees 5,000 pages. He starts flipping through it and presumably shits his pants. He calls the guy who was Jeff's boss screaming that we need to stop payroll immediately. Now, the EFTs are already long out the door, of course. but it takes a day and a half to print the full run of live paychecks. So they stop the payroll about two thirds of the way through. So two thirds of it's already gone. Now they got to figure out who did and who didn't get overpaid yeah. and then get everyone who hasn't been paid yet paid. So they did try to prioritize, it sounds like, getting everybody paid, good, at least. Good. They have to bring in all the programmers who are, you know, these guys are all unionized, to work on a Saturday and Sunday to write a program to finish paying all the people who haven't been paid in the uh -huh, run. Sure. They then have to call the Secretary of the Treasury at home on a weekend uh -huh. to ask if the U.S. Treasury can spot the USPS 500 million bucks. Sure, sure, which sure. Which I would like a transcript of how that call. By the way, you're the Secretary of the Treasury. Get over it. I'm calling you at home to ask and tell you, telling you you have problems. You, you have oh, a sure. big title. You have a big job. Get over it. Pick up the phone. I'm not saying that person was or wasn't complaining. I just think yeah. it's fascinating that the dude got Friday off for the death of, of you know, President Reagan, and now he's sitting at home in his boxers, and they're like, hey, um, yeah, it started bugging on a Saturday. Uh, can we borrow 500 million bucks? And then like they just right. cringe and duck. Anyway. It's the U.S. This, government. We got that. We're good for the dough. Let's just, let's just, you know, we'll give you the sure. loan, and it's all good. The second problem, though, is that they have to get all that money back that they overpaid. And apparently, if a federal employee is accidentally overpaid, the government can only recoup 16.67% of the amount of the overpayment per oh, paycheck fascinating. period. Why is that? That's so interesting. Right? I'm, I'm assuming it's so that it doesn't, it's not a huge hit to them, yeah. even though in, in theory, it, it should net out to be the same over, you know, two pay periods. Right, right, sure. So you can't take it, take it all back at once. You got to spread it out over at least six paychecks. Oh, so you right? get, you can get all the money back. You just have to spread it out over a lot of pay periods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sorry. That makes total percent per paycheck. That's, that's so, actually probably great. So you have to do over six paychecks, right? Two weeks apart, 12 weeks, you're looking at three, four months. And that's assuming you don't make any more mistakes that require recoupment. Sure. You know, if you've only made the one, you get to do over six paychecks. So they had to write a special payroll job to put all, to pull all this money back. And it took them like four or five months ultimately to get it all. But finally it was all accounted for. Yeah. Now there was a congressional investigation as to how this could happen, which established the cause as simply a JCL operator keyed in the year 2003 instead of 2004. Like right. they just wrote the wrong number on the check. That's all they did, right? right? Which we've all done. Again, the software January. should say, you know you're writing in a year that it isn't. Well, the, the software should this, check that. My hunch is, if this is in this JCL, this isn't like a scripting language, you might not have the benefit of like a controlled input because they're actually setting the parameters for the new union contract. So I don't think it's that easy. But there is something that I think is kind of fascinating. Uh, before I get to that, remarkably, nobody was fired for this, right? Like, mm -hmm. apparently things happen. Yeah, it's government. If Ronald Reagan had picked a different day to die on, this would have been caught before a single typo cost the USPS potentially 500 million bucks. Right. Would it just cost him a ream of paper? If you're going to blame anybody, blame Reagan. Oh, no. okay. <laughs> That's what I'll do. <laughs> just pick the shit day to die on. Now, now, okay, I think this is the most interesting story, right? But but the, the, the to me, the underlying issue from this, you know, I've surmised from, from Jeff's story here that the USPS's payroll is a very complicated process. My question is, why in the world would they default the job to be approved as opposed to, quote, waiting for approval? Stop, right, of course, of course, I mean, of course. you would just think you'd want someone to, like, double check it, maybe even two people to read the fucking report and click our confirm button before dumping out a billion dollars in of payroll. Of course, of course. Like, that to me seems like the most... 
obvious thing. Also, now, why is this payroll system so complicated? I mean, I we're good at this now. We're okay at computers. Somebody could write this to run on a Raspberry Pi. Nah, I don't know. My hunch is... Get out of this IBM scripting language that takes so much processing power to do very little. You might have very, very, very many layers of like nuanced union differences in each locale. And that shit can be a real nightmare to try to... Oh, you don't think it's one union contract? I don't know. All? I, That's awful if it isn't. I don't know. I mean, all I know is having looked at this problem before in the entertainment industry and the different unions in the entertainment yeah. industry, man, that was gnarly. And that's a yeah. lot younger. But than, this, this is very different. This is, I a, don't know. These are federal employees. They're all doing the same, you know, job. My categories. hunch is there are plenty of, of companies that would be happy to take some consulting money to build a system to do this. Of course. And the fact course. that no one has tells me it's probably a pretty complicated problem, but who knows? Or the USPS is willing to pay Unwilling nothing to, pay. to have it sure. fixed. Right. Well, sure. or they can just keep paying 500 million bucks, borrow it from the treasury. Now, <laughs> I'm assuming that what, you know, has probably happened here is they've, they've packed the job state into a single fucking bit back in the Ford administration and no one's had the balls to touch that code since. So you basically only get yeah. two, you know, you get like approved or not approved. That's it. Those only states that it can be in. Right. Because I think, you know, everything comes back to Occam's razor. That's the easiest one. But sure. here's what gets me. It is literally harder for you and I to unsubscribe from Planet Fitness than for them to send out 10 digits worth of payroll. That's insane. Here's my thing. Uh, yeah. I just think AI can't get here fast enough to fix all these problems. Somehow you think AI is going to make this because it's just bad programming. Well, I mean, you gotta, this, of all things that can be run procedurally, you'd think payroll would be very easy to run you procedurally. Gotta get, you got to get AI at the right time. If you wait too long and it's sentient, it's going to look at this problem and be like, fuck that. We're not touching that. No way. <laughs> We've all been there. I've seen plenty of I've seen plenty yeah, yeah. of, of I systems that I I just, I'm like, nope, this, I know you touch one thing in here and springs come out the back. Let's throw it out and start over. You know, there's there's an awful lot of computer code in the world that, that we should not go in and touch and play with just yeah. throw it out and start over yeah hard to do man easy to say hard to do i got two more typos i'll tell you about you got more I, I, of course uh webster's dictionary new international yep. dictionary 1934 yep. they added a word called dord d-o-r-d d-o-r-d dord yeah Are you would okay what's a dord and they put it in the right the right place in the dictionary and all that it's actually something from under d's yeah of course okay. it's listed as a noun referring to the density in the fields of physics and chemistry what they actually meant was capital d or lowercase d and they <laughs> took out the spaces and created a word called dord that was a typo that's really funny they hastily marked the uh, announcement imperative and urgent they need to correct this ghost word as quickly as possible because you know the dictionary they take themselves sure. very seriously sure let's bring that let's bring dord uh, and the other one uh google 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 yeah larry page was going to go was named, going to name the company google yeah after it was called it was called like backrub or something like that and he wanted to sh uh, name google he wanted something that sounded cooler which is a one followed by a hundred zeros right hundred zeros yeah sean yep. anderson typed in the domain name to check its availability but he accidentally searched for g O-O-G-L-E, the current spelling of Google. Sure, sure. That typo stuck, huh. which is how we now have Google sure. instead of Google. Yeah, I mean, it's way better the way it is. It looks like Google, other than people trying to wrap their tongue around Google. Yeah, it's perfect the way it is. You can pronounce it and it looks looks great. Buy and hodl. Buy and hodl? You know about buy and hodl? Cryptocurrency dudes will okay. tell you buy and hodl. What they oh, mean is buy, buy, and, and, buy and hold. Fucking idiot. But there was a typo in somebody, oh, and so now they all say buy and hodl. That's really funny. Uh, the one that I think that is fun that is not a, a, a typo, pneumonia, with yeah. a P has a P in front of it, a silent P, like pterodactyl. Yeah, pterodactyl. Pterodactyl yep. is that silent P. And it seems like, well, that's got to be a typo. It's not. Greek words, they had a silent sure. P, and that's actually where that comes I from. I torture my children. My wife tells me not to do this, like, because my, my oldest, well, both kids are actually working on spelling, and they like to sound the words out. So every now and then I'll be like, oh, yeah, you little shit? What does pneumonia start with? <laughs> exactly. And my wife's like, why do you do this to them? <laughs> I'll teach them now. English is mean. I want I want I want them to get the hard words from me, not from somebody else. All right, we have to get out of here, but quickly, before we do, have you seen or read anything good this last week? Well, not read, but seen.
seen and heard. Well, that counts. Yeah, right. So, uh, and I'm, I'm just happy for once I actually have something for this part of, of the show. I took my dad and another friend of mine and his wife to see the Eagles on the Long Goodbye Tour over the weekend. Yeah. They this played. is their final tour. They're finally hanging <sighs> it up. I'll believe it when I see it. I've been to so many final tours. I, I saw Prince play f- his final tour four times. So Sure. I think okay. Elton John is still on his final yeah, tour. Yeah, he's still on the final final. It's the super final tour. They should name them like people name Word documents. It should be like final final underscore <laughs> the final final goodbye seriously really serious, the final tour def final dot doc no anyway no it was great uh henley great show henley yeah henley still sounds really good and he's I, he's more of a smart ass than i remember him being he had some funny things to say yeah he did say the show was brought to to us by pax lovid so i'm assuming one of them was was sick at some was point sick. yeah and then you've got um deacon fry here's the amazing thing let me just yeah. while you're on don henley let me just say, it's amazing to me that anyone can drum and sing, and sing. yeah it's really incredible that combination that well. seems impossible yeah, yeah. I, I mean, mean there's a a handful of guys who do it, but it's Tim, still... Tim, Collins, who else? Mickey Dolans, I mean, Karen Carpenter. Right, it's incredible. Uh, no, he's he's really amazing. It was a great show. They've got Deacon Fry in Glenn Fry's son. Yeah. And he does an amazing job. He was he was awesome. Of course, Vince Gill He sounds there. just like his dad. He sounds so he good. He does, yeah. And then, of course, you've got Joe Walsh, who has always looked odd. The best. Right? But he just always makes those funny faces. And like he looks even... As he gets older, he just looks more odd, which I find hard to believe, like how that's possible. Yeah. And plays into it. I see him at Dodger games. He's a Dodger oh, fan. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. He's playing... I mean, for his age, the fact he can play like that is amazing. It's definitely not as tight as when he oh. was younger. But oh, I don't think that's true. It's He's absolutely mind-blowing, incredible. incredible, and I think he holds his own with any guitar really? player of yeah. any age. I mean, he's, he's... I think he's tight as ever. He's pretty amazing. He's amazing. His Maserati does 185. It does do 185, but he can't drive it no more. Because of that song, people think he's a rock and roller who doesn't really care that much about the music and trashes hotel rooms, and the fact is, he is sure. crazy about getting everything perfect. perfect. He's yeah, an sure. amazing musician. And then, of course, they had Steely Dan opening who i've never seen or at least what's left of steely dan oh sure opening. sure half of steely dan the other half is half, gone a third sure yeah. now um, i've never seen them before i was mildly excited to see them i was grumpy at the end because they didn't play deacon blues which is like one of their biggest hits and and one of my favorite songs i have been to so many i, I can't even tell you so many steely dan concerts yeah. where they skip deacon blues and i well, don't know why I'm, I'm assuming they're sick of playing it i mean they just gotta be i don't know they play everything else just fine walter becker passed away and so the only half of it you're seeing you're, you're seeing donald fagan yeah sure and a friend of his or somebody who plays the other parts brilliantly. I'm assuming the Steak and Blues thing is kind of like another favorite band of mine. It's called Cake. And they had one big breakout hit. They have plenty of great songs. One big breakout hit called The Distance. And anytime I've seen them play in the past 20 years, they play The Distance at triple time. They literally play the whole song get in like 35 seconds. And it's kind of a cool version, <laughs> but they're just like, fuck, we're sick of playing this song. And they just rip through it. And a bunch of people are annoyed by it. And it's like, well, their catalog's still pretty good. Sure. Now, um, I will say, having never seen Steely Dan, I was a little excited to see them. Yeah. Just because I was like, oh, okay, this will be interesting. Now, I, I, a good friend of mine and and devout listener of the show is a is a what we would call a music guy and i said hey do you want to go see it and he referred to steely dan as masturbatory noodle garbage and i just can't, i don't know what that is but i'll believe I just you can't get those three words out of my head what is that the whole time they were playing that's just all i kept thinking about and i was just like yeah it's it's kind of masturbatory noodle garbage, whatever that means. But I don't know. I enjoy it. I think they're great fun. And they're, it was, and they're it was good in concert. Two things that, that stuck with me from the show. I mean, it was great to take my dad and, and be able to see him. Your dad must have had a ball. He had a blast. The average age at this show was probably in the mid to high 60s. Oh, 100%. Right, which you would expect. Because you think the Eagles have been playing music for 50, 50 years. years or more. I mean, yeah. so Henley actually said, he's like, we've been playing the forum for 49 years. Oh, that's crazy. And he said, we consider this our home field, which I thought was pretty cool. But the part that was really cool to me, too, about this show was seeing the 
the number of people that brought their parents. You know, these are like like folks yeah, that are like middle age, like 30, 40 years old, brought their parents. Their parents are, you know, str- struggling. Two generations of Eagle fans, at least. Totally. Which was super cool. And then the part that was kind of sad slash not sad to me, we were sitting, you know, 10 rows up and the number of people, 95% of the people walking up the stairs at the forum were just struggling. Again, 50 years of rock and roll. Exactly. That's going to happen exactly. if you were. Would absolutely go yeah. in. Uh, parking, getting out was terrible. I must always, say always. when, well, sure. imagine when SoFi, the form and the Intuit Dome all have an event on the same night and let out. That is going to be a shit show. Well, let's hope that the train, one of the, you know, some sort of mass transit goes into that area so that you can get people in and out quickly because uh, that'll be wonderful if that's the case. You'll be shuttling out like 80,000 people. Like that's And a train can do that. Insane. 100% the individual cars are a terrible idea coming in and out of there. But it was it was a lot of fun. So it was a great weekend. It was a good show. If uh, if the Eagles are coming to a city near you, I would say go see them. Catch some of the noodle garbage. The noodle garbage. Metro noodle garbage. Let me know what you think of, yeah. uh, of those guys. What, uh, yeah. what did you do? Any concerts? Any movies? Not a concert, but I wanted to recommend Bradley Cooper's movie Maestro. I wanted to, and then I saw it. So oh, that's not going to be my recommendation, oh, no, unfortunately. Really? really? Yeah, unfortunately. So this time I'm you, and I have a YouTube video <laughs> recommendation. You've talked about Pepsi and the blind taste yeah. test a few weeks back. Yep. It's not really a secret that I'm kind of a freak about audio gear and microphones and things like that. Not a secret. And I blind audition microphones sure. relentlessly. Yeah. I don't want to know what the brand is. I don't want to yeah. know who makes it. I just want to sound good. Give me, give me a bunch of samples and let me pick the what I think is the best sounding microphone. It's okay. exactly how I wanted to do it. ABX testing. Love it. Marquise Brownlee, yeah. great YouTuber, okay. has done this with smartphone cameras. Oh, cool. The video is called the blind smartphone camera test. Okay. And it is exactly what you want. It is 20 million people looking at the same photos who voted okay. blindly not knowing what they came from. Awesome. I will put the link in the uh, in the show notes. You have to see this. Okay. It is spectacular. As a dear friend of mine recommended, I would actually like to see one variation on it where all of the voters are professional photographers. Oh, sure. But I love what he put up. I mean, it's, it's sure. great. I'm extremely happy to have gotten the version that he made. It's great. The blind smartphone camera test, and I'll put the link in the show notes. You should definitely put it in the show notes, but I don't need to watch it because I know it's going to be an iPhone. Well, yeah, not a shock. The iPhone does great. I'm just saying it has to be. It comes in seventh. Best one ever. That is the episode. I love that I've turned into an Apple shill. I don't even know how that happened. I think just because you're so not. All right. Thank you for joining us for all this nonsense. Truly terrible podcast where I endorse Apple from the awful company. Visit us on the web at nonsense.productions. I'm Stiddle. I'm Jeff Parker. If you like this program, please follow, download, subscribe, and like it. Apple, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Spotify, our favorite, Overcast, wherever you get your podcasts from. Podcastindex.org. Special thanks to our floor director, Craig Little. Is that my dad in there? Is that what all that, that is? Your white dad. Hair is? That's why he's so grumpy. By the way, he looks great. In pictures, this is weird. In pictures, yeah. he looks exactly like you. He has no wrinkles. It's, it's freaky. It's absolutely freaky. How has he kept his skin and everything looking so good? No idea. He looks like he's 40 years younger than he is. Now he's going to come back into another show. You keep buttering him up like this. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Dad. We'll be here every Thursday morning for more nonsense. Please join us. At the tone, the time is. Oh, my God. Can you even explain that concept to kids now? Can you explain anything to kids these days? That's my question. Thank you. I'll be here all night.